Hello, everybody. Today, I am going to be joined by Bella Gandhi, the owner of Smart Dating Academy. It's our first video podcast, and I am using the Logitech stream cam to help us feel super connected in this time where we can't be near anyone. And I'm so excited to have her on because I want to hear all the dating advice for people who cannot get together in person. So here we go on my dope ass podcast. That's right. All right. Well, here we are in our quarantine podcast. I'm so excited to do video calls now because I don't get to see people that much. It's so nice. You know, as daunting as it seems like it was in the beginning, I think it develops so much better of a connection. Do you think so? I'm excited to hear your thoughts on that and how it applies to like the dating world. But first, why don't you tell your, my listeners, um, okay, so Bella's uh, the owner of the Smart Dating Academy, and that means probably means many things to many people. So tell us exactly what that is and what you do. We make dating fun inspiring, not dreadful, and we help you to fix your picker and find love. Like what's better than that? That's awesome. I love the concept of fixing the picker and we'll get to that later. But so basically you're not a matchmaking service, although you you could do that if you th thought you had two clients that would hit it off. But you basically, from what I understand it, is you help people and that goes along with fixing your picker. You help people come to where they can pick the right people for them. And I feel like we all are, we're not taught how to do this, right, at all. And some people luck out. <laughs> some people are maybe innately better than others. But you sort of help people develop their own sense of who it is that they should be dating and what they want and why. Correct? Yeah, we have a whole methodology that I put together in college that helped me stop dating narcissists and assholes and avoidance after I had my heart broken, you know, for the millionth time by person X or Y or Z. I said, oh my God, the common denominator in all of this is me. Mm -hmm. And so I held the mirror up instead of just saying, I'm attracting all these bad people. I'm like, yeah, you're accepting all of this. Why are you accepting this? Right. And I started to understand, wow, I really wanted someone who gave me butterflies and swept me off my feet. And wow, I got swept off my feet straight onto my back, like not a good feeling. So I started to reconstitute what a good partner for me would actually look like and started dating my husband who I've been friends with for six years. And we've now been married for a long time. And along the way, I've helped everybody around me that wanted help, would listen to my help, find love. And so I started this business 10 years ago. Oh, that's awesome. And it's such a, it's such a big hit in Chicago. I know that I met you through a mutual friend and you're sort of like this un, not unknown, you're definitely known, but this sort of like secret that people have to come to you when they're actually ready to find love and they're ready to like actually do it. So I'm so excited to have you on. And I want to talk about, you said you developed this um, in college, which is like, that's so crazy to me. Like, what was it I mean, I don't know. I definitely was not doing that in college. <laughs> I was definitely not picking the right people, although probably not horrible, but um, I don't think I came to that t until much later. So what is it? Why do you think you came to that? Is that sort of just your personality to like sort of look at things and figure out why some things aren't working or how do you think you did that? 
yeah, there's two reasons. Number one is that it's definitely me. I'm sensitive and introspective and like, okay, let me, and I'm a finance major. I did M&A. So I'm looking at data and patterns and analyzing everything. So that's one. And then number two, my parents are immigrants from India. They met on a Sunday. They were engaged on Thursday and they were married 72 hours later, the next Sunday. So like from revolving door start to finish was seven days for that. And so in our culture, at least in my house, it was, well, if you're not married by about 27 or 28, like you're going to be washed up, like your shelf life's up. So I started thinking about things 10 years earlier than Got most it. people, because Got most it. people are, most, most parents here will say, oh my gosh. Don't worry about finding love until you're set in your career and maybe you finished grad school, but no, not in our house, which I think ultimately is really good messaging. And now in retrospect, because I see people that, you know, spend all this time until they're in their mid thirties sometimes like, oh my gosh, I was in medical school, then I was an intern, then I was a resident, then I was a fellow. And only now, now I'm 35 years old and the dating pool has totally changed, right? Because time doesn't stop. So I think life can be an and. You can be building your career and finding love. I love that. I love that. And we treat, I feel like we treat so many things in our life like with um, such intention like our jobs and, and our friendships, but somehow we miss the mark with the love thing. So I love that. It's kind of like treat it like a job. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of growing up, I grew up with a poster on our wall that my parents put up and it was called the 21 rules for success by H Jackson Brown jr. And rule number one on the rules for success in life was marry the right person this one decision will determine 90% of your happiness or 90% mm. of your misery. So I grew up as a teenager reading this every single day. And so it, it's so true, right? It is the person that you choose to build a life with is essentially your lifelong partner. And we use that word like, okay, my partner, but really, truly, it's your partner in running a house. You're married. I'm married. You have two kids. I have two kids. Like you're juggling a lot and you're together longer than business partners are. Right. Especially now. <laughs> and you sleep in the same bed. <laughs> right. And you quarantine. <laughs> you quarantine. You carpool. That's, that should be your new, your new, um, your new motto is who do you see yourself quarantining with? Right? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is really, this is really, what is it? Sickness and in, in sickness and in health till death do us part. And together we will be 24 seven. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. I remember my, um, my stepmother-in-law once told me for better or for worse, but not for lunch. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. I just love that advice, but That's now it's, hilarious. it's, it's also for lunch and so, breakfast and, and breakfast and everything. And yeah. and <laughs> <laughs> it's for everything. Okay. So what do you, let's talk about the idea. So a client comes to you, let's just like walk through the process like a little bit. A client comes to you and says, I'm horrible at dating. I'm picking the wrong people. I can't seem to find love. Where do you start with this person? 
So we take a look back at family history because that can have a profound impact on how we attach to adults as adults, right? So we right. poke around that. We do, um, we have our clients write up something called the marriage map, which is uh, uh, this great exercise that we've created. And it really helps people in a structured format to analyze all of their relationships. What attracted them to this person? What worked? What didn't work? What was my responsibility? What was his responsibility? And through this, we come up with this profile of a partner that's actually going to make you happy versus, you know, what evolution or Hollywood tells us. I want someone who's like women will come in. I want someone who's tall. I want him to be successful. So I don't have to worry about money. I want him to be well-traveled. And ultimately 50% of marriages end up in divorce. 67% of second marriages end in divorce. So we're not picking the right way for those two reasons, right? And then you add family stuff into it. It's like the Holy Trinity, the perfect storm of why stuff goes sideways and it's the most important thing we'll ever do and we're never taught how to do it so we're trying to change that person by person mm -hmm. and do you coach with people individually and you also have a team or how does that work is it yeah we yeah. coach people one-on-one -on -one. we're also putting together group programs now we do webinars we're going to do group coaching um, some DIY courses as well to really help as many people as we can find love through this process. So we work with people in their early 20s, like basically into their 80s. It's never too early to think about this strategically, and it's certainly never too late. Right. Oh, I just love that. And then, so the, now so much of the dating world, and especially now, is online and these apps and things like that. So tell me about how you help people, because I feel like a lot can go wrong on these apps. And a lot has changed since, you know, you and I were first dating. So how do you navigate that with someone who, you know, is maybe picking the wrong, I, I feel like it's so easy to pick the wrong people on apps because it's just so easy to pick people. <laughs> so talk a little bit about that if you could. Yeah, I think, you know, first it requires kind of a mindset shift about online dating and dating apps and getting into the space of gratitude. If you think about it, yeah. if we didn't have sites and apps, how would we meet people, right? Over the age of 30, right, when your friends start getting married and suddenly it's like you look at the number of single people that you hang out with starts to decrease a bit, right? And so your pool and access to other singles reduces. So it's looking at online dating like, oh my God, thank God there is online dating versus 40 years ago where, you know, you could be an old maid or that guy that could never find someone because you, you didn't have an access except to people that you worked with, were on a bowling league with or played softball with or got set up with. And now the world is literally your oyster. So now all you have to do is learn how to navigate through this and then what a treat. Thank God it's right. there. Right. I absolutely love that shift in gratitude because so many people say, oh, the apps are awful and this is horrible and, you know, just hate it. So I just, I love that shift and what yeah. a shift in energy, right? To bring in the right person. Totally. And, and everything, all, everything that we do that ends up in success in our lives is because of the way that we're thinking about it. Right. Mm -hmm. so if you think dating sucks, gloom and doom. I hate the apps. I hate everything. I just want the pizza guy to walk in and like be my future husband. What's your likelihood of meeting somebody? 
Mm -hmm. literally zero because even if I put the perfect if this was the perfect person in my antibacterial actually it is the perfect person right now (laughs) snuggle up with right now you wouldn't even know it if I put this person in front of you because you're not in that mind space you're not thinking that love exists for you so how on earth are you going to see it Mm-hmm. And what's the term that you say that you are? Something opt- optimist. Psychotically optimistic. Yes. Psychotically yeah. optimistic. I absolutely love that. And how do you teach that? Like, how do you, is it something that just sort of eventually kind of wears off on your clients after talking them for a while? How do you teach that optimism? You know, it, a, a lot of it is doing things that make you optimistic, that make you happy, right? It's like, it is number one, believing that love exists for you. It's a when, it's not an if, right? And so, and then keeping yourself there is the stuff that we know we should be doing, but we don't actually know sometimes how to do it. You need to feed your body. You need to feed your mind, right? You need to do things that actually make you happy. And so there's a whole list of things. I literally have, I talked about this on an Instagram live the other night. It's like the secrets to being happy. And I read through the nine things that make me happy and psychotically optimistic and doing these things that make you happy or what put you in that psychotically optimistic mindset constantly. So it's this, it's triangulating between doing all of these things, right? And one of the things I was telling people is really thinking about the village of people that you surround yourself with because it's been said that we are the average of the five people that we spend the most time with. Right. I've heard that. And I know for me right now, it's my two kids and my husband (laughs) because we're all quarantined together. But if you think about it and the people, you know, outside of this strange time, the people that you surround yourself with, like think about it and think about it strategically and crucially, right? Because your friends can have a profound impact or your family on who you are, who you think you can become and the choices that you make. So, and these people, if they're Debbie Downers or negative or pushing you to make bad decisions, will definitely have a sway over you. So being really intentional about the people that you spend time with. Oh, I absolutely love that. That's so true. Yeah. And so, and I I know we've also talked about, a lot of people don't know how to, it's hard enough for them to talk to people in person it could be even harder for them to approach people through an app. So how do you coach people to do that? And do you, if, if someone wants, will you read their responses for them and help them kind of finagle that? Because some people just don't know how to do it. Because that is what we do. Yeah. And we're in the weeds with people. We're looking at, we're writing their profiles. We're doing their photos. We're reading messages. We're reading profiles. We're like, get rid of this one. This is a douchebag. This one is a great one. I want you to go out with this one again. So we're really in it with people, teaching them how to do this, why we're doing it, so that we ultimately build their confidence in doing all the things. Because dating requires doing a lot of the right things at the right time. It's like you got to be firing on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. And do you tell people to date multiple people at once? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like asset management, right? I come from finance. Uh and so This is like diversifying your dating portfolio, right? You wouldn't put all of your retirement in one stock, no matter how great that stock looked today, you'd have many different investments to hedge your future retirement. And dating is the same until you're exclusive with someone. You can literally call them boyfriend, girlfriend, 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 whatever your jam, until you have that discussion, you're not exclusive. And until then you should be dating multiple people because it doesn't hurt as much if somebody flakes, right? Mm -hmm. And it also keeps you objective. 
it keeps you like, okay, this was a red flag versus if you only have one person in the mix and you're like, oh, I'm so entranced by you. You start to ignore all these red flags because you only have one person. Got it. That's interesting. I love the concept of red flags. I think just by observing people around me and I'm also a comedian, so I think there's so much humor in them. But can we talk about that for a second? Just the concept of red flags. Maybe you could tell me what is like, what are some hidden red flags? Like we know the obvious, like someone not calling you back or someone, you know, not texting back for days or, you know, someone's drinking problem. Like those are the obvious ones, but are there any like hidden red flags that everyone should be looking for? You know, when someone says that they don't want any drama, they don't like drama. And if you're dramatic, like you're not their jam, that's a red flag to me. If somebody's saying, I don't like drama, what I hear is I will cause you drama. Interesting. Why is that? It's people that don't take responsibility. You know, people that are narcissistic are like, look, that was your fault. So I disappeared for three weeks. Okay, now you should have no reaction to that. And if you do, you're being dramatic because there's no consequences to them for their actions. So when I hear that, that gives me a red flag. People that will talk about their lives in the state of victimhood. Oh, my ex is so crazy. She slashed my tires. My boss has it out for me. I work so hard. Everybody else is getting promoted. My ex has poisoned my kids against me. To me, those are all red mm -hmm. flags. That's a good one. Those are some good ones. Especially for people that are generous and empaths and compassionate. We're like, oh my gosh, this person got dealt such a bad hand. <laughs> no, no, no. They're right now, they're not taking any accountability for their life or any responsibility. Red flag, get right. your Nikes on, bold. <laughs> Are there, so what about, do you have people like, if they see something like that, how do you have people in that? Do they just sort of, do you encourage people to be honest and say, you know what, this actually isn't right for me? Um, clearly you don't encourage ghosting, which is like another thing I want to talk about. Um, cause that's a new thing that didn't really exist. I feel like when I was dating, what do you, you encourage honesty in people if they're not feeling it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, if somebody's not feeling it, there's two different things. Like let's say someone's not feeling it or someone has noticed a red flag to your point, mm -hmm. then I would, you know, it's fine to say, Hey, listen, I don't think we're a good romantic match, but I'm sure you'll make someone else really happy. I wish you all the best, right? And you don't have to get too specific. Well, when you said this to the waiter, because you don't want to poke the bear. You want to stay safe. I don't know who you're dealing with. Right. We even background screen. There's no way to background screen every single person. So your goal is to gracefully exit. It's not to teach the person how they wronged you ultimately, especially in the beginning when you don't have context about this person. I love that. I love that you said it's not your job to teach <laughs> to teach that person. It's so true. It's your job to be like, okay. <laughs> it's your job to just say, peace out. We're done. <laughs> right. Exactly. And ghosting, I feel like, is the biggest red flag ever. I actually heard someone say that like ghosting is actually a gift because they ended the relationship for you. They actually did the breakup for you because they're going to be such flakes in the future if that's the way they deal with you know, being uncomfortable or not wanting to tell you that they're not feeling the relationship. So I know that that can be so dramatic. I've had friends that that's happened to, and it's so dramatic for them because there's no closure. There's no closure. And remember, 
ultimately, this is the myth about closure. There's only one person that can give you closure, and that's you. No one else can give you closure. They, you might be looking for the why, but at the end of the day, they're telling you they weren't compatible. You guys weren't compatible. It's over. And it's up. And at that point, it's up to you to close the book and say, thank goodness to your earlier point, I dodged a bullet because if this person wasn't as into me as I was into them and they had to disappear and ghost, then they can't have the tough discussion. That's not a grown up, And that is not who I want to be in a relationship with. Right. Yeah. I absolutely love that. I love that. What do you encourage people to, do you encourage people to wait? Have you seen this new show on Netflix or heard of this too hot to handle show? That's, that's like all the rage now. I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. Okay. So let me just, cause this, I love bringing reality TV into this. And especially now, like I feel like I've really let myself indulge in my just love for horrible Netflix shows but it's a show about people who, like these super hot people and they're put on an island and their normal mode of you know, operating is to just sleep with everybody. And they're given like a, a prize amount of money. And if they just start to form relationships with people and not sleep with each other, they get the money at the end. So basically every time they kiss or they go further than that, money is deducted from the communal pot. So then after a couple days of that, and they're like, oh my God, you know, I don't know how I could never sleep with somebody and this is going to be horrible. They're given these watches that reward them for making personal connections. So it's sort of, they listen to them and they follow them on dates. And if they're seen to be making like progress and making a personal connection, the, le- the watch goes green and they're allowed to kiss or, you know, whatever it is. So It's just interesting to me, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on what's the proper amount of time to wait before you are physically intimate with somebody, and is it different for everybody, and what's your your rule on that? You know, I think it's different for everybody. What I will say is generally the slower you take it, the better off you'll be. Um, whether you're a male or a female, right? And especially if you're a female, because we give off oxytocin, dopamine, serotonin, all of these hormones in exponentially higher levels than men do during making out, during orgasm especially. And so suddenly you find yourself connected chemically to a person that may not have earned you yet, right? So I really like the premise of the show because it very much fits into line of how we have people date at Smart Dating Academy. It's develop that connection, like each other, enjoy each other's company. You know, I'm not saying you can't kiss until your watch turns green, (laughs) but what I tell people is we call it sex exclusivity. Like don't have sex until you're in a committed exclusive relationship. And that's usually about three months after a good dating trajectory, right? We have graphs on what a good healthy relationship should look like. Oh, that's awesome. That's just like advice that we all know to be true and that we've been told forever, but just like have somehow lost, (laughs) lost it. Because I think especially women, and this is where I get you know, kind of like, I, I am a feminist, but maybe I'm not. And it's like, yeah, I think women should be able to do whatever they want with their bodies and have sex with whoever they want to. But it's also like, there's certain, we're different than men. Like we just are. And I feel like, like to your point, women, I feel tend to get more connected to men quicker when that happens. And so I, it's just science, I guess. Is what it's you're saying. science. Yeah. I'm an ardent, feminist. And I think, you know, women are as amazing, if not more amazing than men. Right. 
basically everything. But again, being powerful is having knowledge, right? And keeping your power, it's like, why would you unwittingly dole out your power? But if I know that sleeping with someone is going to make me feel like I want them to call me the next day, I can't just have a bender. And that knowledge will help me to protect myself. And what is the definition of being a feminist? It's being protective and powerful and staying in your own power versus giving it away because you don't understand. We are different than men. Right. Absolutely. I absolutely love that. What do you think about like sending, like, I don't know if I can say this. I guess I can on a video podcast, but like dick pics. What do we think about that? Like, is it just absolutely always a no? Always? It's not my jam. (laughs) Women don't want to see that, right? I I, totally agree. But like, I feel like that's getting more normal, right? Like that is actually being normalized. And most people would say, no, but I mean, what if that if that happens in your dating academy? Do you say automatically, that's a no, that's a no person? Yeah, I I had a client who had never sent a nude, and she's a person of no, like people know who she is. Yeah, and she was dating some dude that she met on a dating app, like literally just a guy, and he asked her to send a nude. Okay. This is a person of note. So as she's recanting the story to me, like the beads of sweat are forming on my forehead going, oh my God. So she said, um, well, I'll send you one with, you know, that doesn't have my head on it. And she said, and she says, you know, I've never done it before. I know what you would tell me and how, you know, oh my gosh, people know who you are and this could be spread and just be aware of the consequences. And she said, so I sent it without the head on it, you know, from a private account that didn't have my name on it. And she said to him, what I need you to do with this is she has body image issues. She says, please call me tomorrow and tell me that I'm beautiful. Like I will need to hear this after I divulge this to you. The next day, crickets. Oh, oh. <laughs> until 1030 in the evening. And then he didn't, bring, he's like, Hey, what's up? Sorry. I was busy. Blah, blah, blah. And when she said, Hey, I asked you after I said this to you, like, I need this. I, I was vulnerable. I told you, this is a hard thing for me to do. He's like, I don't know why you're making such a big deal out of this. That oh, was his man. That's Guess terrible. where he went straight down the drain. Bye. Right. That is insane. So I think sending nudes will never be just sending nudes. I think it's a part of us. And especially for women, it can be so personal. And we, so many people have body image issues and it comes down to how we're genderized. Like, does he think I'm pretty? You know, am I good enough? And all of that, it just puts you in a bad place with someone you don't even know. Yeah. Only nudes in committed relationships, ladies. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. Be really, really sure. Yeah, I agree. And those pictures can end up anywhere. (laughs) Completely, yeah. And you hear it with people that are married that are getting divorced. Be careful. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. If you wouldn't want it all over the internet, don't put it on the internet. Don't send it ever to anybody. I've heard, in my world, truth is stranger than fiction. Right. Oh, I bet you've heard it all. Divorce, (laughs) revenge. You name it, I hear it all. Oh my goodness. That's so, so crazy. it's okay. Just understand. Say to yourself, okay, I'm okay 
if that ends up all over Twitter. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're not, then maybe just show someone on your phone. <laughs> That's a good idea. I took one and I'll show you later. <laughs> exactly. While I'm with you, but I'm not sending it to you. That's so smart. That's so smart. Um, so tips for people who like dating after divorce, just because that's the age that my, I'm at, my followers are at, that's got to be super intimidating. Do you have any tips like specifically for people who are just divorced or going through a divorce on how to navigate that situation again? Yeah. Get some help around it. Don't feel like you have to go at it alone. Divorce is a really hard thing to go through and it can leave you raw and exposed and vulnerable to do the same thing all over again. So make sure that you have a good therapist, a good counselor, a good coach who will work with you to make sure, sure, sure that you don't end up in the same predicament all over again. You know, like I said, second, you know, second divorces are 67%. For third marriages, it's 74%. So human beings, we do what's comfortable. Right. right. And comfortable is what we know, which is dysfunction. Right. It seems like to me, and maybe this is my optimism, that the second time would be the better time, that it would be less, statistically less in divorces. But it's interesting that it's more because you're saying that people pick the same person again. Without doing the work. Right. The second can be, I know a lot of amazing second marriages, but I also know a lot of terrible second marriages, right? And it just depends on, did the people do the work to make sure that they learned from last time? And now you're a different person than you were when you first dated that person, married that person. Who are you now? And what do you want for the next 50 years of your life, mm -hmm. right? And that's going to be different than it was when you first met your ex. Right. And are there ways to tell, if you're in the dating pool now, are there ways to tell, and you're doing your work, what are the ways you'll know that someone else has done theirs and not just recycling, like they're going to therapy, they're saying, they're taking responsibility. Like what are the ways that you would know that someone else is also doing the work? Listening for the cues, right? You know when somebody's doing the work and you know when somebody is shirking their responsibility and playing the victim. So if you are attuned to it and if you're listening for it, you'll hear it. But so often what can happen is we get intoxicated by chemistry. So we stop, we ignore all of the red flags. We ignore the facts that are in my face. What astounds me is every time I ask someone, you know, that comes out of a traumatic breakup or a divorce, like, and they'll tell me what happened. And I'm like, wow, did you, when did you see those red flags first? Every single person says, I saw them in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Nobody gets blindsided usually. And if you get blindsided, it's for the first couple of dates. But then crazy can't keep crazy in the closet for more than 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so those red flags start flagging and waving all over the place. But sometimes when, we're, when we've got our tunnel vision, when we've got our blinders on, we don't see the red flags all over here. Right. It's so true. I see them in my friends all the time. You know, it's so easy to see other people's, I feel. And then it's harder to admit that we also see red flags and that we possibly ignore. And I don't just mean in dating. I mean, just everywhere overall. in life. Yeah, overall. Is it hard for you to like turn off your um, dating coach, like filter whenever you're speaking to friends about their relationships? 
Sometimes, yes. Um, I have to be very cognizant that some people don't want your advice. People typically are signing up for our services and paying us for concrete, good advice on how to be the better person, how to pick a partner, how to be a good partner. But in my personal relationships, I have to really, you know, sometimes I'm doing what I do, think like you become a good listener and you can really kind of tap into what's happening. But one of the things that I will do is when I hear something that I think someone needs to hear or they should hear it, I'll say, would you like some feedback on that? Mm, mm -hmm. and I ask for permission and then when they're like of course a lot of times they don't want to hear it but they'll say of course I want to hear it and then I tell them so but I always ask for permission before I just level my advice on my unsuspecting personal <laughs> I love that I love that I would definitely be asking I if you are if we were I would I would always want to know but I guess yeah sometimes that's hard to hear and that's good advice for any relationship in your life probably yeah. Um, asking, do you want to vent or do you want feedback is something that I'm learning <laughs> with exactly. different people. Yeah. And then if you say you want the feedback, you'll get the feedback. Yeah. Be prepared to take Be it. Yeah. Don't, and if you, and there are times when people will say like, do you, do you know, do you want some feedback? And it's fine to say, you know what? Not right now. I appreciate it. I'm not in a space to receive the feedback, but I do want it when I'm ready. It's right. okay to say that. Fast forward to you getting a call at three in the morning. <laughs> uh, remember what you said about the feedback? I want it now. I can't sleep. Put your phone on silent. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So in these crazy um, COVID times, tell me some tips of like staying, let's start with just staying connected in general, and then we'll move into like dating and, you know, all that. Because I feel like there could be some good things that you think are coming from this. Yeah, I think it really helps you to sit back and reevaluate what's important to you because suddenly all of these things that keep us so busy are suddenly stripped away in a moment, right? And you're left with either if you're single, maybe you're quarantining by yourself or you're quarantining with your partner and it kind of helps you to go, how do I be a better partner? How do we function better together in this 24-7 zone and really i think what it can help you to do especially with if you're with other people is it can help you be the better version of yourself right if you allow it to how do you not react so easily mm -hmm. how do you practice kindness how do you be the giver versus the taker and so these things are really hard to do but it's a great thing when you're you know trapped in the house with these people that are yours to try to be the better person because we always have a choice mm -hmm. i love that and that's the only thing we have really is a choice of how we're going to react we don't we don't have a choice over what happens but we have a choice over how we react to what happens and that's we're actually being taught that on a huge level right now, I feel like. Yeah. Um, and so what do you think? Are people dating during this time? Are people doing the apps? Are people are you still coaching clients and they're still at it? Yeah, sites and apps are busier now than they've been in a while. 48% of adults in this country are single. So when you're at home by yourself, you're swiping. 
your messaging. And now what I love is that people are doing Zoom dates and Skype dates and FaceTime dates. And now Bumble has a video function, Match has a video function. And I love that people are being forced to take this step, you know, rather than just swiping, texting, and then meeting out for a drink and wasting time getting ready and getting your hair done and your nails done and Ubering to a place and spending three hours with someone that has red flags all over them. You can do a 30 minute happy hour, grab a cocktail over Skype. You don't have to worry about who's going to pay. You pour your own drink. You can wear your pajama bottoms. You can look cute on top. You can do, and it's a great way to really check this person out before you meet them in person. I think it's amazing. And I really hope that video as a step before dating stays. Oh, wow. I didn't think about that. That's a really great idea. Yeah. Think about it. You and I are sitting here and we're chatting, right? And, and how much better is it than if I just had a photo of you and 200 words and then we're texting, then we decide to go out on a girl brunch date. Maybe I'm new to town. Wouldn't it be better if suddenly we met like this and we FaceTime? I'm like, oh my God, she is so cool. I cannot wait to grab a drink. Right. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great way to look at it. And do you think you can sense chemistry over video? Oh yeah. You think so? Yeah. One hundred percent, right? Like you can sense somebody's vibe for sure. And you know, if you'll vibe with them or you won't, and at least you can look at, you may not know if you're going to have physical chemistry, but you certainly know if you're going to like this person's personality just by watching them for five minutes. Mm -hmm. And let's, let's touch on chemistry. I know we've talked about it in the past and you explained it to me. Like, how is it that we can have such amazing chemistry with someone who is ultimately bad for us. And then how is it that we can not have chemistry right away with someone who will ultimately be amazing for us? How does that work? Well, um, again, it's all in this teeny little gray thing called our brains ultimately. Mm -hmm. And so often when we feel really powerful chemistry with someone, especially when we're older, you know, kind of later twenties, thirties, forties, it's that powerful chemistry is often because the person reminds us of someone we've dated in the past. I know. Yeah. And that immediate chemistry comes from that. Like this person says something, they smell similarly. It's like this sense of familiarity Mm. and it takes you back to the space and we can mistake that for chemistry and it can take us back to when we first met someone we dated that ultimately wasn't good for us, but it takes us back to that mind space. And all of a sudden it's like, boom, and you feel that chemistry, right? That's it. That's what it is. It's the past. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And so how do you encourage people that, um, like the person looks good on paper, they have all the right, you know, values that we like, but we're feeling like, eh, you know, I didn't really feel it with that person. Do you think that that can be built upon and can come later? Yeah, I do. I think it can come. Um, you should definitely give it time. It's like good wine. Give it a chance to breathe after you open it, mm-hmm. right? It's not going to be amazing the first second you open it. You got to decant it and put it in the right carafe and let it breathe. And a relationship can be very much the same way, especially with chemistry. Like you never, like sometimes 
when a client of ours feels too much chemistry with someone on the first date, it's a red flag for me. Versus if they say the date was okay, but then the second date gets a little better and the third date gets a little better, that's where the chemistry can slowly build based on real intimacy versus just, you know, some anachronistic reminder of someone from the past. Yeah, I love that. What do you think the signs are? Are there signs in the beginning that show that a relationship is is built to last or will stand the test of time, as they say? Are there certain things to look for in someone that you would say, oh, I want to, you know, that's a person I should give a shot or that I could see that working out with that person? You know, my old adage is probably something our grandmothers told us, like, be with someone who likes you just a little bit more than you like them, mm. right? And when someone likes you, that doesn't mean they're showering you with grandiose gestures and big gifts and trips right away. That's love bombing ultimately. But this person is really interested in you and they want to get to know you. And if you mention that you like a certain kind of flower, maybe on the seventh day, you get one of those flowers. So someone who's really interested in you and interested in giving to you in a healthy way, not in a love bombing, crazy ass way. So are you saying it's a red flag if someone buys you like a car within the first month of knowing them? <laughs> that person's trying to buy you. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right? I had, I had a friend that that happened to. Actually, no, it wasn't a, it was a, it wasn't a car. It was like a really expensive bag. And she was telling us at lunch and we were all like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that doesn't sound yeah. right. They it got divorced. <laughs> Because then he probably went to buy one for someone else. Right, exactly, exactly. You know where that story is. Yeah, we all know that story. Um, any other, like, quarantine? I know that this is definitely going to be released. It feels like we're going to be inside forever. But are there any other, like, tips you have for people besides Zoom chats? Or maybe this is better. Maybe for people that are already in relationships. How to... Um, use this time to like grow closer and to, you know, be more intentional when it feels like we're all spending so much time together. How do we use this to our advantage? You know, one of the ways that my husband and I are both navigating like two big jobs at home with two kids that are 12 and 16 is having a morning meeting where we have coffee and we talk about just how the day is going to roll out. Who's going to be in what room, who has a zoom, who's got one of these things. And the days that we do those meetings things go really smoothly. And the days that we skip those meetings, I find that tensions get higher because we just don't, oh my God, well, why are you in that room? I'm supposed to be in that room. And so having that kind of set expectations and boundaries or whatever you want to call it in the morning is a great way to feel like you're being taken care of and you're taking care of your partner. That's great. I absolutely love that. That's really good. Um, and then for people that are newly dating and just sort of feeling lonely, would you encourage them to obviously seek out the Smart Dating Academy, but also, obviously. Obvi and to just get out there and like keep doing it because people are dating and people are, they're not physically meeting, but people are definitely still connecting. Absolutely. Just do it. And if you're afraid of it, there's only one way to get something done and that's just to do it. Even if you're afraid of it, I think go do it. Get on a video, get on a dating app, set up some good photos, 
watch. We've got plenty of stuff on our website that'll tell you how to do that at smartdatingacademy.com. And then start messaging people. You never know. I hear people that will say, I saw you on Steve Harvey in 2014, and I'm writing you this letter to let you know that you talked about Tinder. And you said Tinder wasn't only for hookups. And I thought, okay, I'm going to give this a try. No and way. the first date this woman went on ended up being the love of her life at the age of 50. She had never had a boyfriend and she married this guy 18 months later. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. amazing. That's so amazing. So do you, um, do you like all of the apps? Are there ones that you absolutely don't like? Or are there any ones that you recommend that you like more than the others? I prefer apps that have bigger denominators. So we've had clients meet and find love on Match, eHarmony, Tinder, Bumble, Hinge, Coffee Meets Bagel, like every, you know, J-Day, J-Swipe, all of the big ones, ultimately. Um, pick one, stay on it for 30 days, see what kind of results you're getting, and then have a fluid strategy and then change it up. But don't be on any more than two sites or apps at the same time or you'll get like dating ADHD. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's awesome. All right. Well, Bella, thank you so much for taking the time out of your quarantine day. I know everything can be, time is of no essence right now, but it does feel like being in the house altogether and everything, it's sometimes even hard to get away. So I really, really appreciate your time. And I know that my listeners are going to just find so much value in this. So thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you. You're amazing. Thank oh, you. Thank you. you too. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks. This podcast was produced by Dante32.